Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, book lovers. My name is M, and I want to talk about books and cats. Hey, book lovers, welcome back. I have to say I greatly enjoyed my week off, but I am so glad to be getting back to my usual routine. Honestly, I have a hard time relaxing and taking a break, and I kind of have to force myself in the beginning. I had so many plans for my week off. Um, lots of reading and maybe recording some episodes ahead of time, you know, setting myself up for a simpler summer. But that didn't really happen. <laughs> Instead, I baked a pie and I took naps with my cats, which was so nice. I took my kids to get creamies, which is what Vermonters call soft serve. We bought a huge flat of fresh picked strawberries, which is probably one of my top five favorite fruits. And I also watched a bunch of YouTube videos and meditated once or twice a day. It was luxurious and indulgent, and it did not help me get ahead at all. But I'm okay with it. I needed the rest and the extra sleep and definitely the family time. I also just started Taekwondo classes again after over a year off, and uh, it gave me some time to prep and focus on getting back into that. And if you want to hear more about that journey, this week's Self-Care Saturday is about fear, and it features a little bit about restarting Taekwondo after all this time. So obviously, I'm still working on the idea of taking breaks and resting, It continues to be a struggle, but I also know it is an integral part of my self-care and overall health. And speaking of self-care, this week's book kind of follows that path, and it's nonfiction. Normally, I would save this for a self-care Saturday, but I really enjoyed this book and I found it helpful. It's also written in the form of stories from actual people, so it reads more like a memoir or a novel. Um, This week, I want to discuss Meaningful by Ali Spots de Lazar, M.A., M.F.T., L.P.C.C., C.E.D.S. I don't know what any of those mean, but she has a lot of certifications. (laughs) This contains 23 life-changing stories of conquering dieting, weight, and body image issues. Heavy stuff. Um, So if you've listened to the podcast before, you've probably heard me talk about reading a book and feeling seen. And this book is that times a thousand percent for me. Um, The introduction is about the author's own personal experience, and I immediately related to her story. She went through many of the same issues that I did and almost on the same timeline age-wise. I imagine that a good percentage of people, both male and female, can relate to at least part of her experience. Needless to say, I was hooked instantly. As I've said before, this book is filled with stories, and I love hearing about people's experiences, so this was an ideal match. I found this book through Instagram, um, and I'm so glad that I bought it. It has definitely been an experience. (laughs) Um, So this book is broken into three parts. The first is called Discoveries, and it is stories from people that answer 
how blank is different now that I don't struggle with my food, weight, and body image issues. This section was disturbingly relatable. (laughs) Um, Pretty much every story hit me really hard. It was a bit uncomfortable, but I've been working on my recovery for a long time at this point, and I'm in a pretty good place right now. So I will say that if things are still tenuous with your relationship to food and weight loss, I would proceed with caution with this one. But personally, lately, I've been finding a lot of comfort in feeling like I'm not alone in my issues. Um, I do have mixed feelings about this because I do not want to wish this kind of suffering on anyone, but isolation feeds insecurity and depression, and it's also incredibly hard to reach out when you're in the midst of it all. And I'm finding that books and stories from other people help me feel less alone, um, and they're hopeful. And usually they come from people who have come out on the other side. (laughs) And that is so needed when you're struggling with food issues. So the second section is called Insights, and it is stories that answer the question, what I wish I had known about blank during my food, weight, and body image issues. This section I found surprising. First of all, I was surprised to find a story written by Billy Blanks Jr., I am from the Taibo era, and I definitely know who his father is. It was interesting to hear his story as a rather thin man who could not gain weight. And that's another reason that I like this book a lot. The stories are broad because eating disorders and weight issues do not care what race or sex or anything you are. It is universal, and it encompasses a lot of different experiences. I personally didn't really understand for a long time how it could be as frustrating or damaging to be too thin. And then I met someone who struggled with that problem. And then I heard their story and started to realize that it's just as hard to be on the other side. And there's a couple more of those stories in this book. This section is more about the phrases that people used or that were inferred that kind of buried themselves deep in the storyteller's brain and ended up causing them harm, even though the statement was completely untrue and sometimes not even verbalized. It was a really fascinating section. And the third section is called Connections, and it is stories from family, friends, and teachers of people experiencing food and body stresses. And it answers the question, how blank is different now that someone I care about seems freer from their food, weight, and body issues? And I found this one quite interesting. Um, It's a point of view that I'm sure there's a lot of literature written about it, But I also know that anyone with the shame and guilt of an eating disorder is not aware of anyone else's feelings. Eating disorders can become an all-consuming disease. I think it is incredibly helpful to hear these stories, though it does make me wonder why some people can watch a parent struggle with eating disorders and not develop their own eating disorder. Um, But the book didn't know why either. (laughs) I will say it was definitely a confronting section, but I don't think that that's a bad thing necessarily. If I've learned anything about healing, it's that confrontation is necessary. So I've been trying to think of how I would answer each of these questions, and it is hard because everything is different now. I actually have feelings of being satiated, which I know if you've never had eating problems sounds kind of strange, but I honestly have not in a very... I can't remember ever having, like, an actual feeling of, you're full, stop eating now. And I have that now. (laughs) 
I am also happier and I'm more present because I'm no longer consumed by thoughts of food and weight and appearance. I stopped hating the way I look, which I never in a million years would have thought was possible. And having more confidence changes the way you interact with the world, and it changes how the world interacts with you. What I wish I had known was that the diet industry is cyclical and predatory, and that they are not interested in your well-being. I wish I had known then that health is individual, and that no two people will respond in the same way to the same food regime. Um, I wish I had known that I was fine as is, and that an 8-year-old, an 11-year-old, a 14-year-old does not need to be on a fucking diet. Anyway, this book hit me right in the feels and stirred up some stuff, while also reminding me that I am not alone in my struggles. There are far too many of us, and we need books like Meaningful by Ali Spots de Lazar to remind us that there is hope and light at the end of the tunnel. It was really an excellent book. Highly recommend. And uh, now we're going to take a quick break. (laughs) Hey, book lovers, it's shameless self-promotion time. As you may know, every Sunday I'm sharing my newest book, Feelers, a chapter or sometimes two a week. But if you want to read ahead or if you'd like to check out more of my writing, go on over to booksandcatspod.com. That's books, the letter N, catspod.com for all of my books that are currently available in print as well as fun Books and Cats merch and every episode of the podcast, Self-Care Saturdays, and Storytime with them. I greatly appreciate all of your support. And we're back. Honestly, book lovers, I kind of went with a nonfiction book this week because I couldn't choose from my stack of novels. I also found the book completely enthralling, but it also put me off my decision-making for a week. And now it's time once again to choose and I have so many good options. It's hard to pick. (laughs) I did get some writing done this week. I've been kind of jumping from project to project, but I've gotten a good chunk done on each of them. Um, I'm keeping up with my weekly writing project, Heart of the Storm, which if you stick around after the music, you can hear chapter 23. And I've also started a new play. I've been working with middle and high school students in theater for almost 15 years at this point, and I usually write the scripts that they perform, I am super excited to be going back in the fall, and I'm excited that I still have ideas after all this time. That one was a relief. (laughs) Finally, I have also sketched out a very preliminary draft of the kind of overarching plot for The Sleeper's Shadow, which is going to be book two in the Incursion series following Feelers. It's been through several of these false starts, but I think that this is the one I want to pursue. It's been hard to write a series. Go figure. (laughs) I am super excited about all of my writing this past week, and I am looking forward to so much more this summer. This is usually a super creative time for me, and I have to balance it with plenty of time outside because I need my fresh air and sunshine to thrive. And speaking of thriving, this week's quote of the week is about health, and it comes from Thomas Carlyle. And the quote is, He who has health has hope, and he who has hope has everything. Stay healthy and hopeful, book lovers. And until next time, keep reading.
for sticking around, book lovers. Now here's chapter 23 of Heart of the Storm. Manx slunk through the door of his lab and slid the bolt shut with a satisfying clang. He leaned against the cold steel and felt a drop of sweat roll down his spine. The lab was shrouded in pale red light that seeped through the cracks around the storage room door. He could hear whimpering and faint scratching behind the shiny steel. He snapped on the stark fluorescent lights and the room sprung to life. Pristine silver and white surfaces gleamed. The room smelled of antiseptic and fake lemon. His shoes squeaked a little on the polished tile floor. The noise behind the door ceased. Manx smiled a little to himself. His newest creation was his best so far. He moved around the room, collecting his tools and putting on his worn, white lab coat. He liked the image of a mad scientist, though he knew he was quite sane and clear-headed. He knew exactly what he was doing. Manx stopped in front of the storage room door and waited, barely breathing, for the first hint of sound. First he heard sniffing. It moved along the base of the door, and then there was a single whimper, then silence. Manx smiled, patted the tools in his pockets, and opened the heavy steel door. The room was bathed in a deep red light. It made the creature cowering in the corner appear to be bathed in blood. The pale skin appeared pink and was stretched taut over the thin bones beneath. He moved into the room and the creature began to tremble. Manx reached out and stroked the long, glossy black hair, and the creature shuddered, repulsed. Manx pulled his hand back and shoved them into his pockets. He gripped the cold steel implements angrily. Stand up, he growled through gritted teeth. The creature moved slowly. The effort pained them, and when it finally found its feet, the long, emaciated body was streaked with dark red wounds at various stages of healing. Manx moved with precision and speed, and another slash opened up across the creature's abdomen. Blood dripped from the gaping wound, but the creature did not make a sound. Their face was beautiful. The eyes were large and black and filled with pain. That was Manx's favorite part. The terror and the anguish he found there made his heart ache with desire. This one was his best by far. He had left the tattoos off the face. The skin was porcelain white under the normal lab lights, and he liked to run his finger along the smooth, unblemished skin. He liked the way the creature shuddered with fear and repulsion at his touch. The tattooing was his finest work. The design was intricate and lovely, where it had not been marred by scarring. This one was also quite defiant and had given him problems from the start. Some were like that, and he enjoyed the process of breaking them. This one had held out the longest and was his greatest accomplishment. He ran his hands along the newest wound, and the creature whimpered. He gently stroked its hair and shushed at it like a fussy baby. Quiet now. I will fix it. I can make the pain all go away. But you will serve me. You will lead my army. You will answer only to me. You will obey only my voice. His grip tightened on the creature's hair. He applied a little downward pressure and their head tipped back, exposing the thin, unnaturally long neck. Delicate tattoos swirled on the surface, and Manx brought his other hand to their neck. 
His fingers fit onto the swirls, and he applied just a little pressure. A small choke sound escaped the creature's thin, blood-red lips. Do you consent? His voice was gentle and soft, but there was a chill behind his words that made the creature squirm. Obey me. Serve me, and you will be rewarded when we are victorious. He squeezed just a little more. The creature clawed at him with their soft fingertips. He had learned the hard way to always declaw his creations. Do you consent, he hissed. Each word was punctuated with a tiny squeeze. The creature pawed at his fingers harmlessly and attempted to nod. Manx removed his hand from their throat. Yes, it croaked. Yes, I consent. I serve you. I obey you. Only me, he growled. Only you, they agreed. Manx smiled grimly. I wish I could trust you. A sudden alarm sent the creature scurrying back into the corner, and Manx running for the lab. The heavy door slammed shut behind him, and he knocked on it firmly three times, trying to tell the creature to keep quiet. He just had to hope the verbal agreement was enough to bind their lips shut. He punched a code into the wall panel, and the alarm went silent. He punched another code, and another panel slid open, revealing a small screen, and at the moment a picture of Thea attempting to break into his lab. Manx took a slow, deep breath and tried to calm his racing heart. This was not good. He had believed until now that Thea trusted him. He believed he had her fooled. It now seemed that was not the case. He punched in another code and a hidden door opened. Manx stepped in and it closed automatically behind him. He moved quickly through the passageway. His steps were light, he moved silently and slipped through another doorway into a hallway behind Thea. Hello, dear, he said softly, and smiled a little as her body stiffened at the sound of his voice. Anything I can help you with? Harper zipped down the forest path with incredible speed. Her hair whipped her face and she laughed with the adrenaline coursing through her blood. She had discovered quite quickly that she could control the chair. It had fused to her useless legs and become a part of her. She hadn't completely gotten the hang of it yet, but she was having fun figuring it out. Harper wasn't entirely sure where she was or what direction she was moving in, but she didn't care. She just kept moving in one direction, because all she was certain of was that she had to get away from the strange wood dwellers and her well-meaning friends. She had to get away from their hushed voices and sympathetic stares. She just had to get away. Her wheel hit a root and sent her flying, the heavy chair landed on top of her before flipping onto its wheels and riding her. Harper groaned and rubbed her head. She could feel the bump forming already. In the murky light, Harper saw a strange mass among the slender trees. She inched closer, working hard to get past rocks and protruding roots, until she could make out the details of the mossy surface. It looked like a girl. A slight tremor beneath the moss made her leaning closer, she reached out a finger and lightly touched the soft surface. The moss burst into flames and immediately turned to ash and smoke. The girl beneath was singed and sooty, but otherwise unharmed. Harper rolled back a little in shock. Francie blinked a few times and looked around. Her eyes landed on Harper, and her expression narrowed suspiciously. Who are you? she asked. 
Harper's words stuck in her throat. The girl made her feel something strange. An electricity. A familiarity. Something old and in the blood. Who are you? She croaked. Her voice was still lost. The girl frowned and then rolled her eyes. I asked you first. Whatever, fine. My name is Francie, and you are... Francie, Harper gasped. She knew her. She didn't know how, but the name brought fear to her heart. Nope, Francie said. That's my name. Try again. Harper, the girl in the chair croaked. Francie's eyes widened, and Harper knew she felt it too. The blood bond. You're Harper. Huh. She examined Harper with a critical eye. Mina didn't mention a chair. You know Mina? Harper's heart raced and she felt a strong urge to flee. She had met the woman only briefly, but the impact had remained. Francie rolled her eyes and blew a strand of hair out of her face impatiently. She's my mother. Was. She corrected herself. She's dead? Harper wanted to hold back the elation she felt. Perhaps she had one less enemy out there. She might as well be. She's beyond this world. They all are. Francie made a sweeping motion with her hand, and her fingers came dangerously close to a nearby tree. Be careful, Harper cried, and Francie pulled her hand in quickly. What's your problem? she asked. Harper's breathing was ragged, and her eyes were wide and filled with fear. She patted her hands aggressively on her chair. You don't want to touch the trees. Trust me. Francie's lips were a tight, pressed line. She nodded. Okay, got it. She hesitated. Thanks. Harper shrugged. She rolled back to give Francie a little room. Francie gently tried to move her leg, but she stumbled and reached out for Harper. There was a blinding flash when they made contact, and a shock of electricity shot through them both. Francie collapsed onto the forest floor, and Harper slumped over in her chair. Their limbs twitched, but otherwise, they were both unconscious. Had they been awake, they might have noticed a quiet skittering sound, followed by a soft giggle. And that is the end of Chapter 23, Book Lovers. I hope you're still enjoying Heart of the Storm. I'm definitely still enjoying writing it. And I'll be back next week with a new chapter. Until then, keep reading.